Welcome to Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire, where authors talk about things that never happened to people who don't exist. I'm your host, Mindy McGinnis. You can check out my books and social media at mindymcginnis.com and visit the Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire blog at writerwriterpantsonfire.com. Welcome to the July Podcast Roundup. Remember that if you're interested in hearing exclusive agent and editor interviews, support the podcast through Patreon. Visit www.patreon.com forward slash Mindy McGinnis for previously published episodes and look for episodes with agent Lauren Spielier and editor Kieran Viola going up August 1st. Lauren, an agent with Triada Literary, talks about ensuring middle grade voice in your middle grade novel. And Kieran Viola, a senior editor at Disney Hyperion, talks about shepherding an author's work through the publishing process. Please consider supporting the podcast by donating to the Writer Writer Pants on Fire GoFundMe. Any and all amounts are welcome to keep the show going. If the podcast has been helpful to you in your writing journey, please consider donating. The greatest treasure, a most dangerous magic. Growing up with a traveling circus, Genevieve Flannery is accustomed to a life most teenagers could never imagine. But when her mother leaves behind a dangerous, magical legacy, it threatens to unravel everything and everyone Genevieve holds dear. Slight by Jennifer Summersby. In the month of July, I welcomed Rachel Padelic to talk about querying, the agent hunt, and how heavily trends impact both. Also covered, tempting the possibility of creative burnout when you write every day. On July 9th, Abigail Johnson, author of the YA contemporary titles Even If I Fall, The First to Know, and If I Fix You, came to the show. We talked about the process of getting an agent, how branding can limit your writing in some ways once you have a career, the ease of world-building when writing contemporary, not to be confused with the idea that writing YA is easy. July 16th brought Sarah Crawford to the show, author of the YA novels We Own the Sky and Hurry Up, We're Dreaming. Sarah discussed the pros and cons of self-publishing versus traditional publishing, as well as how to stay healthy emotionally, physically, and mentally as a writer. Also covered how freelancing can be lucrative for a writer. And most recently, Kit Frick, author of Psychological Thrillers for Teens, as well as a poet and editor, visited the show. Kit and I talked about not only the querying process, but the process of knowing your writing is ready to query, and how to get to that place. Also covered, how different structures can be illuminating for particular stories, and how those same structures are challenging to write. Coming up, how to trim down the word count on that bloated manuscript. When 12-year-old Miguel's gang member Papa makes promises to Santa Muerte, someone in Miguel's family loses a soul. The target is Miguel's brother, but Miguel refuses to let his soul go. This paranormal possession attracts demons, doppelgangers, and an ancient soul slayer from the depths of hell, all of whom must be vanquished. Read Tribute by Chris Knobloch. This story about a teen growing up on mean streets, dealing with sofa surfing, avoiding street gangs, and feeding homeless people will haunt your dreams. Listener Carrie asked me on Twitter to illuminate a little about last month's Roundup episode, which covered word count worries and what your goals should be for your genre and age category. 
In that episode, I illustrated my own word counts across genres and explained that even though I was executing my fifth and sixth novels with my fantasy series, I was still expected to get the manuscripts below 100,000 words. I needed to trim down around 10,000 from Given to the Sea to make that happen, and Carrie wanted to know how I went about doing that, which, listeners, I am happy to answer any writing questions and take requests for topics or suggestions for guests as well. Always feel free to contact me through email, mindy at mindymcginnis.com, or Twitter, where you can find me at Mindy McGinnis. So to answer Carrie's question, self-editing is a skill that you acquire over time. I also offer manuscript critiques, and the issue I see new writers struggling with the most is pacing. Pacing is indeed a tricky beast, and it ties closely in with self-editing and whittling down that word count. But I'm going to back up a second to the micro level and talk to you about individual words. When I wrote my very first novel, it went through multiple edits, eventually being whittled down from nearly 90,000 words to a slim 65. There are multiple reasons for that, and the first is a series of words that, quite frankly, you just don't need. I kept what I refer to as my self-editing stats so that I could double-check myself in the future. Even though my self-editing skills had developed to the point that I edit as I write, often overusing my delete key as I'm drafting in order to save myself work later. So, for the sake of sharing, here are my self-editing stats from the first novel I ever wrote. I cut nearly 20,000 words from that manuscript by adjusting for pacing and scenes, which I'll talk about in a moment, but I also cut nearly 2,000 out of just looking for these commonly overused and often useless individual words. That. Yep, you don't need it. Most of the time. Pick a sentence with the word that and then reread it, taking it out. Most of the time, the sentence will still make sense. I took 639 occurrences of that out of my first manuscript. Suddenly. You shouldn't use this word anyway. Why? Because as soon as you use it, whatever it proceeds is no longer sudden. You just alert your readers that something that is going to take them by surprise is about to happen. Except you just told them something they don't expect is going to happen, so it's no longer sudden. This is an arguable point, but I try not to use it myself except for the 51 times I used it in that first novel. Here's a list of words you should be on the lookout for if you write middle grade or YA. Voice is always important, but you can overuse certain words, like I did. Those words are totally, very, completely, really, and actually. All told, I cut over 220 uses of those words in my first novel. I'm not saying I took them all out. I'm saying I took out the excess ones. Next word on my chopping block? Just. Yeah, you probably don't need it. Much like that, it's a word that you can typically remove from a sentence without impacting the meaning. I had over 200 occurrences of just in that first manuscript. Then, be on the lookout for this one. It can sneak into your usage pretty easily, and often you don't need it. I took out 77 uses of then. Here's a tip if you're writing first person. A while ago, a good friend told me I wasn't doing a good job of letting my reader assume anything. For example, if you're writing first person, you can say, I look to my right and see the person next to me is picking her nose. When you're using first person, you don't have to clarify that the narrator is looking. It's implied. If the reader can see it, it's because the narrator sees it. Therefore, the person on my right is picking her nose. We don't need to be told that they looked, are looking, see, are seeing, anything. I cut out looked, looking, look, see, and seeing 
to kill over 100 words in that manuscript. Next up, thing. I really can't explain this, but I cut 111 uses of thing from my first manuscript. I don't have a good reason for that, but maybe do a quick search and find out how many times you used thing and question each and every one. Same is true of there. 92 uses of there that I cut. There were 92 times that I used it and found out I didn't need it. Again, I don't have a great explanation, but it seems to have been one of my crutches. So be aware of there. So these are individual words that are easy to use, but not necessarily necessary. So check for those offenders before moving on to larger issues. Those larger issues come back to what I mentioned before, pacing. When you look at your finished manuscript, read each scene, asking yourself if anything was accomplished. Did something happen that moved the plot forward? Or did the reader learn something new about a character or open up something about the character as far as development? If the answer is yes to those things, or at least one of those things, then hooray, you need that scene. If you wrote a scene just to illustrate that time is passing because the next thing in your plot needs to happen at night and your characters need to be doing something during the day, then just don't write about the daylight hours. It doesn't matter. We don't show our characters peeing, pooping, menstruating, eating, or sleeping in real time, but our reader assumes these things happen. Same is true with time passing. It's passing. We get that. If nothing is going on relevant to your plot in those moments, scene break, scene break, scene break. Next, look at your scenes that are working and ask what they're doing. Do you have a scene where characters converse, learning critical information about one another? Is there another scene that illustrates how much your main character hates driving through his mother's neighborhood? Maybe that conversation can happen in the car during that drive. Boom. One less scene. In essence, you want your scenes to be accomplishing more than one thing. If that drive through the neighborhood is essential to setting, great. It's also developing your characters through conversation with one another, and hopefully that conversation is moving the plot forward. See that? Three things going on in one scene. This is a skill you learn as you write, and the more novels you put under your belt, the more you will instinctively make your scenes work for you as you are drafting, making your self-editing passes that you do before you hand the novel off to your trusty critique partner all the easier. That's it. That's my advice for trimming down that word count. As I said, feel free to ask for a particular focus for Roundup episodes, suggest guests or topics by tweeting to me at Mindy McGinnis. Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire is produced by Mindy McGinnis. Music by Jack Corbel. If you find the podcast or blog helpful, please consider making a donation by visiting GoFundMe.com and searching for Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire. Or visit the blog by going to WriterWriterPantsOnFire.blogspot.com. Click on the podcast tab and then the PayPal button. I'm your host, Mindy McGinnis. Join me next week for another episode of Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire, where writers talk about things that never happened to people that don't exist. <laughs>